We are continuing our series in Thessalonians, and uh, today we have uh, Tom and Jane, who will be bringing the word to us, and Tom is already behind me, ready to go. Let's welcome him. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for having me. <laughs> Good morning. Um, yeah, we're going to be carrying on our um, series in 1 Thessalonians this morning. So if you've got your Bibles with you, um, please open them to 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. Um, me and Jane are going to be covering the first 12 verses. Um, and we've heard how Paul has been writing to these dear brothers and sisters in Christ. Um, this group of believers, uh, that's how Abby put it last week. Um, not so very different from the people you see sitting around you. And they, they haven't been Christians long, maybe a few years, but they've already suffered on account of Christ. They've suffered for him. They've endured. And so this, it's unsurprisingly, this letter has got a real pastoral, uh, encouraging tone. And in a nutshell, the first chapter, Paul tells them, the gospel, you've received the gospel in the power of the Holy Spirit and with full conviction. And it is visibly changing your lives, visible to me, Paul, an apostle, and not just me, but all the believers in Macedonia and Achaia. And then in chapter 2, he sort of sandwiched in between verse 1 and verse 13. He's got these 12 verses that um, he turns his attention onto his own ministry to them. And that's where we come to our text this morning, which is 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. Verses 1 to 5. For you yourselves know, brothers, that our coming to you was not in vain. But though we had already suffered and been shamefully treated, as you know, at Philippi, as you know, we had boldness in our God to declare to you the gospel of God in the midst of much conflict. For our appeal does not spring from error or impurity or any attempt to deceive, but just as we have been approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel, so we speak not to please man, but to please God who tests our hearts. For we never came with words of flattery, as you know, nor with a pretext for greed, God is witness. Heavenly Father, I just pray that you would give us hungry hearts for your word this morning. I pray that your name would be magnified and glorified in our minds and in our hearts and that you would be worshipped and that our hearts would be stirred for you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Um, so if I could summarise these 12 verses in a few words, I think one way that I would summarise them would be the marks of gospel ministry. And the first mark of Paul's gospel ministry that he says to them is, that they had boldness in the midst of affliction. So what makes them bold? What makes anyone bold? Maybe it's self-confidence. Maybe Paul is a, a naturally self-confident guy. Well, if we read 1 Corinthians chapter 2, he tells the Corinthian church that he was with them in fear and weakness and trembling. 
Now, that doesn't sound like natural self-confidence to me, and, and that makes me feel uh, quite good because they're the sort of things I could probably um, relate to, you know? Um, so what makes him bold? Verse 2 says, We had boldness in our God to declare to you the gospel of God in the midst of much conflict. <clears throat> they were declaring to them the vast magnitude of what God had accomplished in Christ for his glory and for their salvation. It's the sheer power of the of God displayed in the gospel of Jesus Christ. This is the power that raised Christ from the dead. This is the power that raised, raises dead sinners who are alienated, cut off from God, with no hope to get themselves right before God in their own strength. And he raises us up by his hands, by his own hands, and he cleanses us for all eternity in the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. And he breathes his spirit into our hearts. He makes us alive. We don't make ourselves alive. He makes us alive. And he places us in Christ, in his beloved son, never to be separated, ever. That's power. That's a powerful gospel, isn't it? Thank you, Lord. Um, so how can we be emboldened like Paul was? Are we preaching the gospel to ourselves every morning? Are we reminding ourselves where we have come, where we've been brought from and where we've been brought to, where God has brought us from and where God has brought us to? And I don't mean necessarily life circumstances like I was in prison, now I'm saved, or I was raised in a good middle-class Christian family and now I'm saved. They are, to a certain extent, life circumstances, to a certain extent, um, kind of surface level, they're not unimportant. But I mean the spiritual reality of where everyone stands before God, apart from Christ. Whether they're rich or poor. I'm talking about Ephesians 2. You were dead in your sins and in the trespasses in which you once walked. Children of wrath. And we don't say that to ourselves to bring a kind of crushing weight on ourselves of shame. and It's not that, but we certainly don't sweep it under the carpet and ignore it. Because then we miss out on the absolute, vast, incredible power of, of just how far God has gone for us. We were dead in our trespasses and in the sins in which we once walked. Children of wrath. You know, when you hear somebody, when you're having a conversation with somebody and they say a couple of good things and then you hear a but. And it's like, oh no, here we go. This is like the opposite. You were dead in your sins and in your trespasses in which you once walked. But, and then your ears, your ears prick up. But what? But God, being rich in mercy with the great love with which he loved us, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. Thank you, Lord.
I need to be reminding myself of this every day. So, verses 3 to 5. For our appeal does not spring from error or impurity or any attempt to deceive. But just as we have been approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel, so we speak not to please man, but to please God who tests our hearts. For we never came with words of flattery, as you know, nor with, work, nor with a pretext for greed. God is witness. Paul has laid out the first few marks of his gospel ministry. Boldness. Um, an appeal that doesn't spring from error or maybe an, a pure appeal with pure motives, tested, approved and entrusted and pleases of God, not man. So, so why? Why this great big history lesson? The chapter one, he, he reminded them what him and others have witnessed in them and in chapter 2, he's gone on to reminding them of what they have witnessed in him. Is this just for a, a trip down memory lane? He's reminding them of the power of the gospel. In this opening one and a half chapters, the overarching message that really stood out to me seemed to be this look at what has been produced in you in us as well this is God's mighty ongoing work of active salvation in your lives in our lives broken people transformed by the saving power of God into the image of Christ. This is the gospel of God. It is true. It is real. It is the power of God at work. Stand firm in it. <clears throat> Heavenly Father, I just, uh, I just bring this word before you, Lord God, whether we're people who struggle to be bold, um, or whatever it is, I just, I pray that you would raise our faith, Lord God. I pray that you would raise our sights to the power of your gospel, the power of the work of the Lord Jesus Christ, and your power to save. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.